Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, hey, hey. It's Veo J, and you're tuned into The Motion, where we get conversation moving in the best way possible. From music to culture to politics to fashion, this podcast is guaranteed to get your emotions in motion. Each episode, I'm joined by some guests with conflicting opinions, and they engage in a little bit of a tug of war with my opinion, hoping to sway my vote to their side of the motion and win the debate. In pop culture, fashion, music, film, there are some head-to-head debates that never go out of style. This week, over two episodes, we're going to get into some of these. Every single guest started their debate with about a thousand disclaimers about how they're not looking to take away from the other side. To save you listening to this again and again and again, I'm just going to say this is not meant to disrespect anybody mentioned, but actually the complete opposite, to celebrate all they've achieved and putting them against their highest competitor. In part one, we focus on the music scene, and in part two, we are looking at musical theatre and ending with a little bit of basketball. High School Musical versus Camp Rock, Les Miserables versus Wicked, and Michael Jordan versus LeBron James. You will be doing a disservice to yourself to miss any single one of these. The passion is unparalleled and no one came to play. So don't just skip forward to what you believe your favourite debate is going to be. With all that out of the way, let's get into it. Camp Rock versus High School Musical. So I did a poll for this and the results were shockingly embarrassing for Camp Rock. But there is no challenge that I am afraid of. Debating this with me today and repping High School Musical is Noni, an essayist, polyglot, cultural enthusiast and self-proclaimed Disney Channel connoisseur. She's also been in my life since birth and has personally asked to be given the official title of OG, friend of the podcast. So there you go, Noni, there's your title. But will you be able to defend it? Let's find out. I really just don't think this is a debate. Like, I understand that you have to do these things for the good of the podcast, but I just don't think that this is actually an argument. So I'm really just doing this to humour you. High School Musical is the GOAT. Like, it is actually the GOAT of all Disney Channel original movies. Not only is it the pioneer, it's actually just the best. And I'm interested to actually hear what kind of counter-argument you could have. It's the power of the underdog. The careers that were launched from Camp Rock. Demi Lovato. So I will give it to you, like, Demi Lovato completely Camp Rock launched her career. But Camp Rock was also carried by the Jonas Brothers. I actually looked at the original Camp Rock poster and it was introducing Demi Lovato and featuring the Jonas Brothers because the Jonas Brothers were already a big enough name to sell a movie. Whereas High School Musical, complete newcomers. Where did we know Vanessa from? Where did we know Zach from? Monique Coleman, who even was she? Corbin Blue. All these people who became Disney Channel staples and not just Disney Channel staples were then able to go and do things outside of Disney Channel. 17 again. Can we get a round of applause for that fantastic movie? We'll give Zach Efron his round of applause for 17 again because as much as I love Zach, and believe me, I love Zach. Love a bit of Zach. But can we all appreciate Zach Efron didn't actually sing the vocals? He didn't. I'll give you that. It was um, it was Drew Seeley. And I just feel like when you compare the vocals in um, High School Musical, even from the people who did sing, and you go all the way to Camp 
rock. Demi Lovato is a belter. The Jonas Brothers are still singing now. Even little old Peggy. I'm not going to argue with you that Camp Rock doesn't have the more talented singers, probably the more talented dancers, because it has that guy that was on Greenleaf as well, who was always popping and locking. Shout out to the popper and locker. But I think it's very interesting that despite such a talented cast, they did not actually make the better movie. With a less talented cast, which songs are we still singing? Like, how many times is someone going to walk into a karaoke and ask for any single camp rock song? Yet, here we are at the ages of 20-something still shouting Breaking Free with our friends. Like, that's something. That's, that's culture. <laughs> I'm really glad you brought up the songs, Noddy, because I actually, you know, have the privilege of knowing you for pretty much before I was born. And one thing <laughs> that is plastered in my memory growing up is you singing that Who's Got One no, Takes banger, Me? Absolute banger. Time and time and time again. But after that year, it was gone because you know what? Zero longevity. Whereas till this day, till this day, I am still bop, bop, bopping to the top. Till this day, we're all in this together. Till this day, I have to keep my head in the game. And I'm breaking free. I stay breaking free. I do hear that, you know. But you know what it is? It's not the songs that were, like, championed from High School Musical that I love. For example, we weren't, like, forced to believe the slower version of, what is it? I've never had someone. No, it's been like, what we a tune. We were forced to believe that the slower version was better. Yeah, yeah, they needed to put some respect on Ryan and Sharpay's name. We were fed these people as villains where really they had more talent. Are you going to tell me realistically, Sharpay, who's dedicated her life to the theatre, is going to get upstaged <laughs> by some genius that accidentally found her way onto stage on holiday? It's it's just not fair, you know? And yeah, I think that goes I, back to I the power that. of the underdog. I completely hear that messaging and I will say that, you know, that is one case in which a Disney ending over reality was not the choice that I would have made. But to bring up this whole idea about values, right? So when we actually think about High School Musical and the values, it was before its time. Like, let's talk about the celebration of diversity. Let's talk about the black power couple that is Corbin Blue and Monique Coleman. The first black power couple that I saw on Disney Channel, Monique Coleman made me think that I could one day be on Disney Channel, okay? Let's talk about the interracial relationship that is Gabriella Montez and Troy Bolton. Diversity in terms of them telling you that you can do multiple things. We had people who were playing basketball who were also baking. We had the mathletes who liked to pop and lock and break and jam, which was a message that the young me really needed because I had a lot of interests and I knew that I could pursue everything that I wanted to. Whereas in Camp Rock, what are they telling you? Oh, if you like music, go to music camp and keep singing. Okay, great, thanks. You know what, we, we do love to see it. We do love to see it. But I feel like growing up, there are some things that I just wish they did differently. So I'm really glad you brought up, you know, Monique and Chad, because I have a couple issues with that. Firstly, we all found out later that Corbin Blue was actually, actually auditioned for the role of Troy. If Disney Channel wanted to break boundaries, why not have an interracial relationship of a Latina and a black boy in America? Yeah. That would be revolutionary. And you know, you call Taylor and Chad a power couple. The role of the black best friend, we've seen it time and time again. So you're gonna have Troy have a black best friend who's actually more committed to the team. Like I wanna ask why Chad wasn't captain of the basketball team. He was so committed. Who screams what team? <laughs> it's Chad. Chad screams what team? 
On the other side, you have Taylor, who is above her time. She was giving me Michelle Obama vibes. They had the power. She really was. And so I just want to ask Disney that. Why is it that they had to play this role of the best friend? And then, wait, on top of it, let's make them date as well. I'm sure, Noddy, any black guy in your circle, your friends try to set you up with. So I feel like you say ahead of its time. I say, I say behind. No, I definitely, I hear what you're saying. And I do think that those suggestions would have made it truly revolutionary. I'm not saying that High School Musical was revolutionary, but I will say that it was ahead of its peers. I also think that, take it in the wider context, we're talking about a trilogy here, Camp Rock, which only managed to get two movies. You know, unfortunately, they weren't able to secure that third bag. They didn't want it. I definitely think that High School Musical did try and give both Corbin Blue and Monique Coleman a bit more of an arc when it comes to the second and third movies. Like, we do start to see a lot of depth in their characters. Unfortunately, I cannot say the same for the sequel of Camp Rock, which was really just a money-grabbing activity without the substance to back it up. That being said, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and like cape for high school musical three because that was not my movie. Like not not my high school musical. <laughs> but <laughs> I will say that the one to two jump is probably the best sequel run that Disney Channel has had, realistically. That is straight facts. I'm not actually going to debate against that. That is absolute facts. But I'm just going to jump back to Camp Rock 1 because um, <laughs> it's really no love for, No love it's... for the sequel. You're not going to say anything about Camp Rock 2? I think values are really important in teen movies. And I think something that Camp Rock did really well, it was about Demi Lovato, it was about the Jonas Brothers. But what about all those side those side stories we had the girl whose mum was a superstar and didn't want to give her any attention so she took that out on her two friends and then we had this friend eventually you know shake it all off and do her own solo thing and then will being a black girl as well that was beautiful to see i didn't think she was going to win i thought debbie was going to win this whole story of a lie you know it was giving me shark tail vibes there's something that a lie behind the main plot can really do it felt like a real camp it felt like camp rock it didn't feel like you know mitchie's camp and i'd say that high school musical did feel like troy and gabriella's school rather than mm. the wild cats in in one in one to be fair vanessa hudgens acted her little butt off as gabrielle montez like let's not let's not take like fair enough she was not a singer she she cannot belt in the way demi does but i will put it to you that the better acting was in high school musical really i'm willing to stand by that i'm willing to stand by that i think you should sit because it it <laughs> wasn't <laughs> it, it wasn't that great jump in versus camp rock would have maybe been a better conversation for us to have what you're saying about jump in if you want to talk about complex stories but then compare that to like the whole phenomena that high school musical has been of course jump in is laughable but when we actually just look at the movie and what it did like are you telling me on all black cast or disney channel the points that you're making about camp rock i feel like they hit more with jump in because jump in actually was a great movie and if you're trying to do this whole um yes it doesn't have the same cultural impact but it's actually a fantastic movie i could i could go <laughs> there with it. you for jump in because jump in is is great push it to the limit is a fantastic song. Oh, absolutely. A absolutely. <laughs> Push It to the Limit on a versus could probably take any high school musical song on a good day. Push It to the Limit. Whereas I don't think Camp Rock has that. Asa La is the only one that I feel like on a versus battle, I'm, I'm going to be like, oh, I don't have a comeback. Any of Tessa's song. Oh my gosh, Too Cool. 
Are you serious? No. So the thing too is, too cool. Too cool is a banger, but when you actually put it up against High School Musical's roster, it's not winning unless you're putting it against. If you're putting it against Vanessa's, uh, it's funny where you find yourself. That yeah, if you're your, putting it against that, that was your lead actresses. That was her breakthrough. That was her song. That was actually the. If you're putting this it is against her that. moment. But not if you're putting it against Bop to the top. Not if you're putting it against I Need, I Need. In fact, no, that's even a good matchup against I Need Fabulous because that's like the Mean Girl song versus Mean Girl song. It just can't take it, mate. She has feathers. The, the production, the lighting, the cinematography, the angles. It is fantastic, right? But let's just, let's just sidestep onto Bop to the top, right? We were taught to view that song in, like, the view of the villain. I loved it from the beginning. You clearly just weren't taught to critically think as a child because I, I, oh, I knew Sharpay was the true winner. I knew who the real winners were. You didn't have to tell me. I'm not a sheep, you know? But this is my point. This is, this is exactly my point. We have real winners in Sharpay not winning. We have real captains in Chad not the captain. And we have a real... I don't even know what to call her. I don't even know where to start with Taylor. A mathematician. <laughs> I think that is a good lesson for life because at the end of the day, in life, the most talented people are often not the ones getting the accolades. And I knew that there were going to be... I knew from that movie that there were going to be times when I was the smartest person in the room. I was the most qualified. I was the most talented. But I not, might not be the one in the front row. And sometimes I'm playing that supporting role knowing that I'm more qualified. And that is life. That is literally what happens. I didn't want to learn that at eight years old. But now, now, now you're saying you wanted it to be realistic. You wanted to learn the hard lessons. Now you're saying you don't want to learn the hard lessons. Make <laughs> up your mind, Yvette. Yeah, you know what? No, I did want to learn the hard lessons. <laughs> the hard lessons I needed to learn that were not easy to learn, I learned in camp rock, okay? Because... Yvette, <laughs> you're no longer it's making done. sense. If you've made it this far, it means you're enjoying this episode. So pause, send it to a friend and come right back. You take two seconds, literally. Now on to... Name is Aravel and Wicked. Didn't know Wicked was French. It is today. With this one, I'm not going to lie. I couldn't back one side fairly. I really am in the middle. So I don't just have one guess, but two. Tolua has been on the motion before in the fiery. Tolua is a law student. She thinks that Les Mis is the work of a generation. Its cultural impact knows no bounds, nor does the beauty of John Varjon's falsetto facts upon facts. And new to the motion, we have Nicola, host of the Let's Talk Black podcast, also a lover of the theatre. The masterpiece that is Les Mis, you cannot listen to it without wanting to listen from beginning to end or like three and a half hours of it. I can pick like six or seven Wicked songs that I want to hear on repeat, but there are bits here and there that I have like no interest in at all. The fact that it's sung through is in itself just a testament to the artistic like strength of the piece that you can literally cover the entire plot through song is just a marvel. The fact that I went and watched the concert special at the Everyman and paid like 25 pounds to watch a recording of a show. I would never, I'm so sorry, never ever ever pay to see Elphaba and her surrogate sister on a, on a TV screen. Tell me why I fell asleep halfway through the movie. Three times. <laughs> I did finish it on the fourth time. Overrated, it's basically a war film that's been decorated with music. Wicked is a phenomenal masterpiece. It touches on so much and people just look at it on a very, very surface level. You have to look beneath the surface to understand what Wicked is about. 
that was sort of disrespectful. I think the fact that you fell asleep, it says more about you than the lame is. Lame is, I have every single version of any lame is soundtrack. From the 10th anniversary concert to the 25th, to the film, to the original Broadway, to the original West End, I have it all. If we want to talk about songs, like, okay, Wicked has break, Defying Gravity. I was going to say Breaking Free. Sorry, I was talking about High School Musical. My God. <laughs> In terms of, like, the, like, champion songs, it has Defying Gravity. But when you look at Late Miz and you look at On My Own and I Dreamed a Dream, as standalone songs, I don't know what else to say. There was a lot to unpack there, and I think I want to just start with the Wicked covers so much. Les Mis uh, gives you historical gravitas. It takes you through... The French Revolution, what more could you want in terms of themes? Like, it gives you social commentary, it gives you political commentary, it gives you cultural commentary, it gives you absolutely everything one could need. I'm so sorry. I'm very, very sorry, but I'm not sorry at all. Les Mis is everything. Wicked, in comparison, nothing. Oh my god. See, this is the thing. With theatre, it has to be more... It's about being more critical. It is so much about social commentary. It talks about love. It's about beauty. It's about friendship. It's about governments being corrupt. It's about women. It's centred on women. How many other productions do we have about men fighting in wars? Like, Wicked is about the growth of women. It's about them seeing themselves. It's about them coming free, breaking free. Like, yes, High School Musical. Like, Wicked... <laughs> Wicked is so much more than a story about a green girl. Lame is, yes, okay, whatever. It's got some really cool things in it, but it's all it is is surface level. To say that Lame is a surface level, Lame Miserable defines nuance. I don't even know where to start. I don't even know within like whose story to focus on. Like with every story, with every character in Lame Miz. From even Gavroche. Oh my Gavroche. god. Oh my gosh. Okay, that's a stretch. <laughs> Gavroche is a stretch. Gavroche might be the star of Les Miserables. I can't believe you've just done that. Gavroche being the most complicated person in Les Mis. I did not say he was the most complicated person, but he did play oh, sorry, a role. The new ones. The new, most nuanced. Yeah, the smallest person being the bravest. I think that's pretty that's nuanced. I think that's pretty nuanced. Like a, a seven year old fighting for the French Revolution. What were you doing at seven? Oh, wow. Not fighting for the French Revolution. That is Th for sure. There we go. Yeah. That's, that's mm. all that needs to be said. The fact that we're using the seven year old as the, the pinpoint for Les Mis, I think, sums up everything that needs to be said, really. Keep it away from my argument. Let's go back to this Les Mis versus Wicked debate rather than Gavroche versus the world, which he would take on. I, I think I just want to also say that, like, being slightly controversial here, but. Wicked isn't even the best theatrical Wizard of Oz for adaptation. That's 1978's The Wiz, okay? Does Wicked have Michael Jackson? No, it doesn't. Does Wicked have Diana Ross? No, it doesn't. Is there any other version of Les Mis? No, there isn't. Point, evidence, explanation, link. She just peeled you. <laughs> There's a reason why Wicked is Broadway's second highest crossing musical. Only behind Lion King, by the way. If I want a history lesson, I can pick up a book. It's not very hard to do. Do you know what, ladies, let me ask you this. Are you a feminist? Yep. Yeah. Wicked is a feminist story. That's literally all I need to say. Elphaba's whole journey, like even in terms of love, she doesn't just, you know, experience a loss of love with people. She experiences a loss of love with herself as well. Like we can all relate to Elphaba. That's a story of the now, it's a story of the times. Everyone can relate to Wicked. I would take my daughter to watch Wicked before I take her to see flipping Les Mis. Like, come on, guys.
Would you want your daughter to send her house to kill her best friend's sister? Oh, it's so much more complicated than that, if it is it? Obviously, Wicked is 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 now. It's timely. It's relatable. Tell me then why Lame is is the longest running West End production and the second longest theatre production ever in history. Is it because it's not timely and it's not apt and people don't relate to it even in 2020? Well, clearly not. There is something about Les Mis that is a masterpiece. Obviously, we love Wicked, Defying Gravity, masterpiece, popular, a delight. However, the last line of A Heart Full of Love, Chef's Kiss, One Day More, Rousing, Do You Hear the People Sing, Powerful. One Day More, also an emotional delight. Sometimes when I've said something silly, I mean, I'm like, what have I done? Sweet Jesus, what have I done? And I just keep going. I'm like, become a thief in the night, become a dog <laughs> on the run. Have I fallen so far and is the hour so late? <laughs> but nothing remains for the cry of my hate. Like, Wicked could never do that. <laughs> I would never whisper talk Wicked. I just wouldn't. On that, Tolua, you do see similar themes in Wicked and Les Mis. And I would say a big part of going to the theatre is leaving with a bit of, like, spirit rather than having the life sucked out of you. And I think that Wicked's ability to teach you those same lessons in a way that is, you know, a lot quicker. You know what I mean? I, I can't actually afford to see Les Mis three times in a year as much <laughs> as I'd like to. I don't actually have those that time. I, I really don't have that time. And so that is the one thing about Les Mis. It's, it's hardly uplifting, is it? I would disagree. You do have the comical characters, right? But, I mean, a lot of people die. <laughs> you see a lot of people die, and it's, it's actually quite sad. I cried in Wicked. All the shows that we fell in love with when we were kids, the very, very simple ones that had the messages that they needed to have, but it didn't have to be so, so dark. I completely agree with you, F.A. What Wicked does is it feeds you everything that you need in such a light and and beautiful way so whenever i leave i just feel like a new woman i don't know why les mis is a story about the people <laughs> of the past it's really important to note that you can watch les mis and know nothing about the french revolution because it's not about the french revolution in fact the french revolution is barely like a backdrop i just think we're all forgetting that les mis ends with the do you hear the people sing reprise that is literally a call to action i'm not french i don't live in the 19th century or is it the 18th century but it still calls to me as someone who is in a historically marginalized group i'm like yeah i do sing and i am singing the songs of angry men madam and i'm gonna walk out here and i'm gonna slap the next person that looks at me sideways and that i think is just as powerful as coming out of wicked and thinking oh yay god power i would also say that even though les mis is a historical story it is very much alive these are things that are happening the balance of you know social mobility people who are able to you know break it out or make it out the hood and the people that they've left behind and how they interact so i feel like it is a disservice both to les mis and both to our society to say that it's historical okay uh, Elphaba has a really complex story and a, an incredible arc but that then applies to basically every single character in Les Mis. Because of like the characters itself, Jean Valjean is like an iconic, iconic character. Being an actor, that is something people have like made a name for themselves by playing Jean Valjean. Cole Wilson or whatever his name is. Alfie Bow. Oh, love. You enter this character and you grow in like your ability to be an actor or whatever. And I feel like Elphaba and um, Glinda are so very much associated with Idina Menzel and Christina Chenoweth. Kristen Chenoweth, yeah. 
Kristen, and I feel like no one has really been able to like transform the characters like they did. And I think that that might just be a place where Les Mis has the upper hand. That's a fair point. I believe it is Alice Fern who played Alphaba, or is the most recent one playing Alphaba. She was absolutely like stunning to watch. But yeah, I do actually agree with that. I think when you look even at the like the musical when you're online like trying to stream it, it is just Indiana and Kristen, like it's not. Is it Indiana? Did I just make up a name? Idina or or Adele Dazim. Where did he get that from? I literally to this day, I'm still so confused. He did not read the card. I <laughs> That's can't. That's my favorite thing. Before we get into the basketball argument, which I remind you to definitely stay around for because these guys are hilarious, even though, you know, I don't know about the shots and assists and all of that. Here are some bloopers from the two debates before. I had a whole sleepover dedicated to the, to the I like, launch that. of I remember High not being there. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's why it didn't hit for me. Maybe, maybe it's actually like the trauma that's speaking right now. I will say one thing about the Wiz. I went to a pretty white school in like the middle of the countryside. They decided to do the whiz. The black people were the crows. <laughs> Evil winkies and monkeys. Tell me why Diana Ross was a white blonde girl. You're joking. I was a monkey. Now ending with a little bit of basketball, we've got Michael Jordan versus LeBron James. That signifies everything I know about this conversation. I know nothing at all, apart from the fact that I watched The Last Dance. If you're a basketball fan, you know, tune in. If you're not like me, also tune in, because it's just a little bit of fun, isn't it? We've got people who actually know what they're talking about. Andy, who's backing Michael Jordan, but wearing a LeBron James jersey. We've got Aislinn backing LeBron James. Andy's a reoccurring guest of The Motion, co-host of music podcast 2G's In A Pod. And Ainsland is a comp ski graduate and he's just really passionate about basketball. I feel like a lot of the arguments that are based about do not really stem from how good he is compared to LeBron, but more the mythos behind the guy that is Michael Jordan. I feel like he gets built up to a level that maybe he's not deserving of. People don't remember the misses. They remember the big shots he takes. I mean, man's out here making propaganda videos on himself to big himself <laughs> up. As a complete baller, LeBron James is more complete than any other player to grace the game of basketball. Jordan, okay, he can put the ball in the bucket. I'm not saying he can't play make, but LeBron is different gravy. He is a basketball savant. He sees things that others don't see. He can do everything. Six foot eight, a man's man's man. Passing <laughs> is the best aspect of his game, but yet I could compare him to Michael Jordan on scoring alone. Um, I want to see if you want to jump in at this point. It's honestly just freestyling. I'm just here to watch, to be completely honest. Honestly, debating them as players is kind of futile because the differences between their playing styles and how good they are as players is so minimal. Like when you're debating people as great as this, you're talking about their legacies in the game. I think that is the more important point in determining who, who is the greater player. Regardless of whether or not MJ made the other players around him better, him being so good meant that the team still won. Do you think that it's fair to compare it in terms of legacies when LeBron's legacy is still happening right now? I think it is because one massive plus for LeBron is his legacy is so long. LeBron's legacy has outlived Jordan's legacy in the sense of LeBron is in, what, year 15, year 16 of playing um, at the highest level, whereas uh, Jordan, 
year 17 my bad <laughs> jordan his body was really on the decline all that kind of stuff uh if he were the same age as lebron is now lebron is still playing at the peak of his powers so um i think it definitely is fair to compare while his career is still going on and i would say if lebron wins a few more rings before he retires man's got three three rings but six finals losses and i'm sorry my goat can't have six finals losses my, my well, goat cannot have six finals losses this final losses thing that people bring up is kind of a pet peeve of mine because people use it as a weapon to attack him that he can drag i'm just gonna say it, scrubs to the final and then most of those losses have come from a historical golden state team where are these commenters when michael jordan's getting swept in in the first round LeBron has never been swept in the first round. And to put into perspective the difference in the type of teams, Michael Jordan, he left after his first three-peat. Michael Jordan, yes, he's the best player. His team should hopefully get a lot worse, which it kind of did. But the next game, they lost two games less than they did previous. Pippen picked up the, picked up the slack. Now LeBron, he left Cleveland twice, a team that has never won anything in their history apart from LeBron James. He left them the first time, they went from a league record 60 plus wins to 18. 18! That was like the second worst record in the whole NBA. When he goes, the curtains are like left unshrouded and you can see what kind of was he was playing with. So if I want to step through each individual finals, if you can bring it in your heart to blame him after seeing such ridiculous numbers, be my guest. LeBron um, got to was it eight straight finals? First finals that he got to when he was he was like twenty one or something like that. Um, nobody kind of holds that against him. Then then so the next time he got to the finals was after he made the, the decision. He went to Miami. I think that is a really important finals to look at because so he left Cleveland to go and build a super team, effectively saying, "Listen, now that I'm here, we're winning everything." Then the first finals they lose. I agree with you. The 2011-11 finals were a poor one for LeBron, and that is a kind of stain on his legacy. Part of what makes him great is how he was able to adjust and become almost an unstoppable force since that happened. Eight straight finals. On paper, you can say over and over, over and again, but it actually means you dominated half the league unparalleled. When you break it down, Boston game six, people are ready to write his obituary. You've got, you've got, this guy came in looking like Darth Vader, no smile on his face, dominated. In the first finals against Golden State that he lost before the unbeatable KD nonsense happened, averaged highest points, rebounds, and assists in both teams. There's little mitigating stances that are not just on paper. Like in the 2015, he's on a super team team, yes, but both Kyrie and Kevin Love, the other main guys, are down. So you can't really mm. like use that against him. LeBron, he came back to, to Cleveland and managed to win, in my opinion, the greatest ring of all time in 2016 for that team. The team where the executives were writing him letters in Comic Sans slandering his, his name. The team where <laughs> other people <laughs> were burning his, his jersey when he left because the organization had failed him. He went back to just a few miles from the city he was born. He was born and raised in poverty and brought them their one and only thing in their history. If that's not a story, I don't know what it is. You mentioned that you think uh, his finals win in 2016 was the greatest finals win of all time, um, which is difficult to debate that because I'm, I'm kind of in agreement because no team has ever come from 3-1 down. But when we really look at that finals, again, it was a case where in getting to the finals, he didn't have the most difficult um, 
route there compared to Golden State because he was playing in the East. And then on top of that, in that finals itself, I won't go as far as saying Kyrie won him the chip, but Kyrie was super instrumental. I do agree that that was a phenomenal finals win. But I just think looking at LeBron, too many of his contemporaries have won rings while he's been around. With MJ, there are so many greats that never won a ring because of him. Charles Barkley never won a ring because of MJ. If you look at how the greats describe MJ, Larry Bird called him God in basketball shoes. Like greats in the game who would be, uh, what's the word? dominating now never won anything because MJ was around they just couldn't get past him whereas in looking at LeBron's career everyone won a chip everybody that wants to win a chip has won a chip against LeBron <laughs> don't say it like that KD's got three okay um Draymond's got four Steph's got four they've all got chips LeBron came in to the league as as a high schooler he was branded I think not even in his senior his junior year of high school as the chosen one he had unrealistic levels of hype to live up to and he managed to live up to it being that age and having that much people telling you you're the king almost no blemishes in terms of off-court controversies being a role model the whole shebangs lebron the king james versus michael republicans by sneakers to jordan mj punches his teammates lebron tries to uplift them steve Kerr, who got punched in the face by uh, MJ, do you think he regrets getting punched in the face, but he also has all those rings compared to LeBron, who's got six finals losses? Like, maybe punching your teammate in the face is what's required to get to a level of greatness that no one else is able to match. My goal could never. My goal, Bill Schools. There's too many finals where LeBron's team hasn't won and LeBron's had dead games. And I'm thinking it's specifically the 2011 uh, finals against the Mavericks, where the Heat were the favourites. He, he was on a super team and they still lost. Like, that, that blemish on your legacy, th there's no excuse in that, really, because in other places where he's lost, you can say, all right, he was up against a super team. He didn't have the help he required, everything. But when he had all the things that he needed to win, he still couldn't get it over uh, across the line. And I'm, when, when we're discussing their legacies, it's like super fine margins. Things like that would just never would have happened with, with MJ. If he had all the tools that he needed to win it, and he was, like, was the favourite, there's no way he would turn around and not win that final. If you're going to bring it all down to rings, Bill Russell's the GOAT. The way I see it, Jordan reached higher peaks and LeBron's been able to sustain a super high level of greatness for longer. But I think you have to look at how high the peak was. And I think MJ's peaks were higher than LeBron's peaks. Is I feel people would give him, give him a better time if he had just been knocked out in the second or third rounds and had been 3-0 in the finals. The way that the argument's presented, ugh, that's just what doesn't sit with me. LeBron is about to go down when all is said is done. The only player in NBA history to have 40,000 points, 10,000 assists and 10,000 rebounds. That's all three main facets of the game. Probably going to be all-time first times in scoring, but third all-time or something around that that kind of thing, thing in assists while not even being a main point guard for most of the time. Magic Johnson. It's not a dispute whether or not he's managed to sustain greatness for a longer time. I think everybody knows that. And so, like, it's, it follows that if you are able to do it for 17 years, you're going to end up with these crazy stats. Um, and we congratulate him for that. But like I said, if you sustain a level of greatness that isn't quite as high as MJ's level, just because you sustained it for longer, does that mean you were a greater player? We are done. We'll be back next week with our usual format. Six more episodes to the end of the season. So tune in. Here
us some more bloopers for your head talk. Follow us on Instagram at the motion underscore, Twitter at the motion pod underscore, and send in a voice note to the motion podcast at gmail.com. My dad said we as mere mortals should be humbled when discussing the gods <laughs> of the day. Before I jump into my skip Bayless bag and sound like I'm hating on the brand, I just want to put it out there that I think he's amazing. He's the best player alive right now. Or the best player playing right now in the league. And he's the second greatest. <laughs> Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.